Maybe some of you can relate. My first job at age 14 was bussing tables at a Mexican restaurant that my mother also worked at in downtown Rogers. And by the time I was in college, picking up a job at the Cracker Barrel seemed simple enough. I purchased the uniform at Walmart, got my shoes at Payless, and donned that brown apron that all servers wore. And I earned one star upon my apron for making it through the orientation material. And I could earn up to four stars, I think is what it is. Though now, nearly 20 years later, I really don't even remember what the criteria was. Because it's easy to forget. Details can be given to us instructions for how to succeed. And as we make our way along, we figure out what works for us and what doesn't. How to calculate what's needed or what isn't what we want most and what we're willing to do for it. The parameters for success may come from a manager's instruction or a colleague's sage advice, but eventually, don't we find our way to determine what's comfortable for us? It's when things get comfortable that I get a little nervous. And this might speak more to my personal history than anything, but. I do believe that what we find comfortable does vary from person to person, as much as the way we live our lives and celebrate our feasts. Our homes, even our own minds, become this microcosm, an island unto themselves, where we alone judge what is good or what is bad, focusing on me and mine. That way I can control the measures of comfort and create the stability that I need. I can engorge myself on my own success to my heart's content. But if I recall correctly from the fourth year of education for ministry, which you EFMers can, can call me out on this if I'm wrong, but there's a, the, fourth, um, the fourth year focuses on systematic theology and practical theology. And in David Ford's book, Theology, A Short Introduction, there's a section in it that focuses on religious traditions generally. And the main, thing, the main question that they seek to answer has to do with the meaning of life. Why am I here? What is my purpose? And if you're paying a little extra attention now, thinking I'm going to give you a short answer on the purpose of life, I... I actually do have a word for you, and that is love. Now, the hard part is figuring out how you are gifted to live that out in your life. That's the discerning part. But if every person who lived in our world were guided by ultimate love, which as Christians we identify with God, what kind of world would we live in? A world where the hungry are fed, the thirsty have drink, the stranger is welcomed, the naked are clothed, the sick are cared for, and the prisoners don't suffer alone. In such a place, I can't imagine a cause for war. So full is everyone of care for one another, so full of love, so full of justice. As a Christian, it's easy to see why we are clamoring for a sense of purpose in our lives. We are restless because suffering pervades our world. And the more connected we are, the more aware we are of this suffering. 
from the earth to the sky, from the east to the west, and everywhere in between. For those on the front lines of addressing suffering, which I dare say is all of us who have a view outside of ourselves, they and we cannot look away from the reality at hand, the prevalence of vulnerability at every turn and in every one. Millennia ago, God heard the cries of the people and spoke through the prophets to decry injustice that perpetuated suffering. The word of God speaking to the leaders of Israel through Ezekiel cried out, you have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick, you have not bound up the injured, you have not brought back the strayed, you have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. And the shepherds were metaphors for the kings, the rulers, and the lesson we heard today, which falls after that verse I just mentioned, God claims God's primacy and outlines what will be done by God's will, and God's sheep, God's people will be fed with justice. Our God, the Alpha and the Omega, reminds us again through the life and ministry of Jesus that this same sense of justice prevails. How many times does Jesus reveal that the kingdom of heaven is like this? When the sick are healed, the hungry fed, the other embraced. Dr. Cornell West is quoted as saying, never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. And Jesus, God incarnate, embodied love in public embodied justice as we understand it from our holy scripture, which is the primary source for our understanding of the will of God. The sovereignty of God in our lives means that we accept that we don't have control, superiority, or primacy. Accepting God as the one true sovereign or our good shepherd through Christ means that how we order our priorities and values is going to be different from a system that enables and encourages individualism or nationalism. Following God's sense of justice means that we won't get stars on our apron or in our crown, but that we will be recognized as God's people by how we show love for others. And we probably won't do all the things outlined in Matthew, but as a body, collectively as a church, I assure you that as part of the body of Christ, we are offering care and concern for others in all of the ways. You can stop by the fridge or the pantry outside or come in on Monday or Wednesday at the community meal or even Sunday's breakfast or Wednesday's dinner to see how we offer literal food and drink for all who come our way. Partner with us through Canopy NWA to welcome refugees to the community or sit in on the Let's Get Acquainted gathering to hear how others are finding their way to God in this place. Prayerfully knit with our prayer shawl guild, drop off coats or bring socks as we clothe those who are cold or need comfort. Look into how Seven Hills got started when it comes to caring for the unhoused and find opportunities to volunteer or serve there or at New Beginnings or with Family Promise. Visit the community clinic or speak with doctors among us to know how the sick are being cared for whether or not they have insurance. And know that the ministry that began over a decade ago at the women's prison continues even to this day. And other parishioners serve in various ways throughout our community in these and varied other ways to show love of neighbor. 
rooted in devotion and love of God first and foremost. And perhaps this is the true measure of our success as believers. Just as Jesus said that those at the right hand of the Son of Man asked, when was it that we did all those righteous things? Or those at the left hand asked, when was it that we saw you? So we might ask, when is it that the Son of Man is coming? Because it is with the coming of the Messiah that we are going to be judged. In the lesson, the sovereign replies that it was in the moment of the tangible act of love that was or wasn't shown for another, that the vulnerable person was the sovereign, the son of man. And we often or may translate this more simply as recognizing the Christ in others. And if so, doesn't that mean that Christ is already among us? So just as we hearken back to the concept of offering hospitality to all because we never know when we might be entertaining angels unaware, so too do we treat others as we would treat Christ himself. And we may recall that, yes, Jesus was crucified. Humans have the capacity and are capable of great atrocity. We see it every day but so too are we capable of great love, of great care, of ultimate hospitality. And we don't get stars on our aprons any more than I think we'll get stars on any type of heavenly crown, but God and others will know we are Christian by the way we feed one another with justice, the way we care for one another with love and tend to all God's children, leaving the judging to God alone. And there's no orientation for being a faithful server in God's kingdom, but in God's holy word, in our scriptures, we have a pretty good set of criteria for this, our lifelong work. Amen.